about what to what to bring to you tonight and uh, the Lord the Lord seemed to me to be saying well well where are you uh, talk about talk about where you are and where the congregation is and um, and so I said okay uh, give it to me and I'll give it to them so um, that's that's the way that I hope you'll receive it tonight I want you to think in two tracks if you will uh, sometimes that's hard for me to do but you can do it just think of two tracks simultaneously one being your self track and the other being the church track all right because uh, they, the message, I hope, will be relevant uh, for both of those. I hope it will be uh, uplifting for you and uh, encouraging for River of Life. Bless the Lord. I want to give you uh, some found, a couple of foundational truths to work off of here. Um, one is in Hebrews 13.8 and it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Very familiar scripture. Another one that's just like it from Malachi 3.6 says... I am the Lord. I do not change. Now, huge paradoxes in, in this related to those foundational truths, as you'll, as you'll hear. Now, even though God does not change, He is a God of change and transition and that's what I want to to focus on tonight is dealing with transitions okay that'd be all right Yeah, you got those? All right. Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Jehovah says, I am the Lord. I do not change. But we're saying tonight that even though he does not change, he is a God of change and of transitions. Those two words mean basically the same, change and transition. All right? Now, what I want to do is give you some examples from Scripture of changes and transitions that you're very familiar with, but, but we'll draw some, um, some of the things that are embedded in these stories that become principles for us in dealing with transitions because you will hear some things you are 
not to do and some things you need to do. So let's look at an example, for instance. Adam and Eve were, and I'll start in the beginning. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden in a perfect setting. They had dominion. They had uh, tending responsibilities. They had production power. They had authority. All of that Adam and Eve had. And they only had one limit set on them. Don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. Everything else was absolutely perfect. They violated God's one command. Don't do this. They did it. And suddenly they knew that they were naked. Now they didn't have to have somebody tell them, hey, you're naked. No, they just knew it. All right. How did they react to their first great transition. And it's the great transition for all of humanity because here's this perfect garden and then what did they do? They violated and what did they do then? They hid from God's presence. Now the fig leaves didn't do them a whole lot of good because God knew where they were uh, even though he said, where are you, Adam? You know, they tried to deceive God by passing the buck. He said, oh, this woman that you gave me, she's responsible. She gave in to the devil, okay? So he tried to pass the buck to her for responsibility for for violating God's command. Now, now listen to that uh, negative principle, if you will, of when mistakes are made, sometimes we try to pass the buck to someone else or to some organization or, and you can add your own words, sometimes we try to pass that in order to escape the negative feeling that making a mistake or sinning or whatever you want to call it, sometimes we try to, to get out of it by passing the buck. All right? So this pattern of, of handling this transition was formed in the garden they tried to hide from what they were doing. They tried to deceive God by passing the buck. And I wonder, would the picture have been different if Adam had said, I'm sorry, God. I messed up. I did it. It was, I was responsible and I did it. Do you think, do you think anything would have changed? I, I kind of believe it would. If he'd just come clean immediately. But no, he had to claim that it was her fault and she claimed that it was the devil's fault. You know, 
What was the guy that used to say, the devil made me do it? Yeah. Yes, Flip Wilson. But you see, in this first great transition, we have, we have this negative principle that developed of trying to hide from God. And how many times have we, when we've done wrong, we try to crawl in a hole somewhere and hide from God? I know I, I'm guilty of that. You know, just don't, don't, don't bother me, God. You know, I'm, uh, I'm over here by myself. I'm hiding out. Just uh, kind of leave me alone. God sees that, you know. But we still use that ploy to try to get out of the responsibility that he's given us. Ain't God good? <laughs> and we'll come to that. Let's jump forward in the, in the word to good old Abram later known as Abraham, the Lord told him to leave his country and his family and he partially obeyed. Now here we go. See, this little thing that crops into how do we handle transitions. He was to go from, from Ur of the Chaldees all the way to the land of Canaan. God told him now, do this, leave your country and leave your family, and I'll take you to Canaan. God, God's promise to him. Well, what did he do? He left, all right, but he took Lot with him. He took his nephew with him. And what happened as a result of that? Problems. For the rest of their association, it was one problem after another. Lot was spoiled rotten by his own father, and Abraham took him with him. And, and what, is the, what is the problem as we see it today in our transitions? When we cling to something or someone from the past we drag it into the future, we have problems. I don't know how many of you have experienced these things, but we have relationships in our past. We have experiences in our past. And God says, leave them there and I'll take you to a new place. I'll take you to a better place. Just leave it. And out we come dragging it with us anyway. And everybody gets to hear about it. Everybody knows how awful it is that we got this problem that we're walking away from, but we're not really walking away from it. You know, you're not, we are not uh, really transitioning as God would want us to. So seeing another negative thing that, that got stuck in so even though God counted Abraham's faith, he credited him for righteousness. Even though he made that mistake, God was forgiving and God let him know, you know, you're still my boy and your descendants are going to, 
are going to be like the sand in the sea, in the seashore and the stars in the sky. Yeah. God overlooked that mistake that he made, but that got kind of passed on to us that you know we hear about the blessings of Abraham, but we don't hear much about what he did that was not acceptable. And that was dragging things along with him that God said to leave behind. Want to hear another one? Okay. Good old Moses. Moses was part of the Hebrew nation that was in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. He was born there, raised in in, uh, Pharaoh's palace, and then he killed an Egyptian trying to defend one of the Hebrew boys, and he had to take off, and he went up to Mount Horeb where his eventual father-in-law lived. And, And it was time for this huge transition to take place, and he didn't know when all that was happening to him, he didn't know what a part he was going to play in that transition. But he went up to Horeb. Now, Horeb, by the way, is the same as Sinai, okay? Same mountain. So he went up to Horeb, and God broke the news to Moses out of a burning bush one day. Now, if there's going to be a transition, God was ready to do it, okay? And Moses said, when, when the, Lord, the Lord spoke out of the, out of the bush and said to, Mo, to Moses, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. And God said, all right, I'm going to send you back to Egypt where our people, my people, are in bondage and they've been there for 400 years. So you've got to go down there and you've got to go to Pharaoh and you've got to say to him, let my people go, basically. And Moses said to God, in my words, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not qualified. You can't mean me. How often have you heard that? When, when you're trying to transition from something in your own life to a next step, you know, and you hear from God, you think, and he says, take that next step, and you said, God, I'm not qualified. I can't do that. You don't mean me. Anybody in here guilty of that but me? You know, you don't have to raise your hand. But it's, it's a thing that, that got embedded in the way we handle transitions. He said, but God, but God, suppose this or suppose that. And God was so patient. He listened to him and he said to God, I'm not eloquent. I, 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 I stutter or whatever it was he said to God. He wasted time bargaining with God. Another thing to underline in the way we sometimes handle our transitions is we waste time 
Instead of doing what God tells us to do, we try to bargain with him. I'll do it, God, if. Or I don't think I can do it that way, God. I'll do it this way. I'll add my little bit to it, and I'll do it, I'll do it this way. God didn't like that approach. And he said, what do you got in your hand? He said, my staff. He said, throw it down, turn it into a snake. He said, pick it up, turn it back into a rod. And Moses thought, whoa, something's going on here. God said, put your hand in your cloak. Pull it out. Pull it. Leprosy. He said, put it back in there. Pull it out. Clean. Moses said, maybe we're getting somewhere. Okay? I think I'm getting the picture. God sometimes has to do this with us. When we're in transition, sometimes he has to give us these signs that you simply can't miss. And if I do, I'm just stupid. You know, I'm willfully ignorant if I if I just ignore what God is doing moving me through these transitions in my life. The Bible's full of these, of these transitions. Remember, I said, God never changes. I am the Lord. I do not change. So let's jump into the New Testament. Who would you pick that had a big old transition? Paul, yeah, that was that was mine. Thank you for moving over here. That's wonderful. <laughs> okay. What a transition Paul had. One minute he's a murderer, and the next minute he's lying on the ground an apostle. He didn't know it at the time, but that transition had begun in his life. And and he gave us a really, really good principle to, to use when we're in transition. And what was it? Jesus said to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't answer that. He said, Lord, who are you? He looked for the source. Now, I'm saying to you tonight that in your transitions... And in our transitions as a church, we need to look at the source of our information, the source of our guidance. We have to say, Lord, who are you? And let God identify himself to, to us as who he is. I am the Lord. I do not change. We need to get that message. And Paul got it loud and clear because he said in Philippians 3.13, he said, and this very familiar scripture, but here's you another principle now. Stick it in your pocket or your purse, whichever. Forgetting those things which are behind, what? I press toward the goal of the upward call 
of God in Christ Jesus. I pressed toward that goal. But his first thing was forget those things which are behind. Now, see, that links with Abraham, doesn't it? Who, who brought Lot along, dragged him along, tried, and Moses, he had to have Aaron to take him along. See, things out of our past, we drag along, and they become burdens that so, the Scripture says, so easily beset us. But we get rid of those things and we run the race with patience. And he said, I press forward after I've left all those things behind. Good principle? Yeah, yeah. Then, even before Paul, there is, there is the huge transition between Old Testament New Testament. What's the scripture that says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. All right. Let's go back over that so you get it. Get it real good. Okay. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see. This picture of the Old Testament is not a pretty picture. God was dealing with people who were constantly changing. And he was so patient with them. But he gave them the law to try to box them in a little bit so that they weren't always messing up. But as it turned out, they did mess up. You know, we have in in that Old Testament picture, we've got the law. We have darkness, we have slavery, we have punishment, we have death, sacrifices, stony hearts, curses, corruption, and scriptural illiteracy. How's that for something that needed changing? That was one ugly picture. It had to change. And God is good, God is love, God is kind, God is long-suffering, Remember, he doesn't change, but the system had to change, and man had to embrace the change. Now, in our lives individually and in the life of the church, changes come. And with the guidance of our Lord and his sweet Holy Spirit, we listen to those orders and we march according to his orders. Change it this way. March this way, all right, and you reap the rewards. Now, waiting in the wings uh, for all this ugly stuff from the past was the answer, capital A. And what was that answer? He had already been chosen before the whole thing began. An angel went to a maiden one uh, day or night, She was living in a little town in Galilee named Nazareth. And he gave her the news that she would have a baby. And she'd call his name Jesus. Isn't that just like God? He decided, okay, it's time. This whole thing's going to be overhauled. The whole thing's going to change. 
all of that stuff about the laws that everybody was all in just in knots trying to keep, you know, get rid of that and go with mercy, grace, and truth. This is what this is what was announced to the shepherds. We we begin with this new agreement. Jeremiah had heard about this many years before, uh, but it took a while for the time to come when it was just right. God, God said this to Jeremiah. Now remember, Jeremiah's in the old system. But God said to him, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel after those days, and I will put my law in their hands and in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They all shall know me from the least to the greatest to them, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Take a deep breath, Israel, because God is preparing you for the transition of the ages. He's preparing to lift you out of this ugly picture and set you in the most beautiful position that God had ever created. Back to the Garden of Eden in a real way. Because he was saying to his people now, love, grace, truth. These are the principles in, in this transition. Away with the curse of the law. Because that curse had been hung on a tree. The message of the blessing of Abraham came all the way through, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to the whole earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would have eternal life. What a transition that was. Can you imagine God's plan from the very beginning was to bring that to pass? Now, that gospel, that gospel as it was, uh, as it was preached to the people in the New Testament in Acts of the Apostle, once the, once the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost, that was the demarcation line. That's when it happened, all right? That's when people cried out, what shall we do to be saved? What was the answer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive eternal life, basically. You will be saved. That was the message of the gospel. What a difference from that time under the old ugly system into this new one. And Paul and I were talking about this last night. The, there were 3,000 people that came to salvation that day of Pentecost, and, and they had to all be baptized. Wouldn't you like to have seen that? 3,000 people. Where in the world they were, 
they were in Jerusalem when this happened. They had to find some water somewhere and a lot of it for 3,000. But, you know, uh, God's good. He can work things out. But now, this transition that moved the whole Hebrew nation from the law to grace, that was the transition that God wanted to move his people through. And he did. He did. Now, those are just, what, four examples. And if you're thinking in two tracks, you're already well ahead of me. What God is doing in your life individually is one thing. What he's doing in our church may be very much the same thing, or it might be different. Here are some suggestions, not only for you, but for our church, as it applies. When you are in a position of transition, you're just beginning to step into it individually or otherwise or corporately. One thing that that I believe we find support for is to connect with good people in your life. If you're under pressure, looking at a transition, connect with good people in your life. Now, maintain with this good people, maintain a support system for yourself. But one caution, do not, in, in connecting with good people, do not circle the wagons and say, it's us against them. Do you get my point? Because you are linked with other good people, and a good support system, that doesn't mean you isolate yourself. You still must be social, if you will. You still must reach out and touch those around you, and you must be loyal in your relationships to others who are going to march through this transition with you. Don't try to go through a transition by yourself. It doesn't work. That's why God gave us sisters and brothers and loved ones to walk with us. So reach out and touch somebody. Okay? Maintain that system. Be positive. Maintain a positive, thankful posture. Positive, thankful. Now, when you're in the midst of this transition... It's hard sometimes to be thankful. It's hard to be positive because sometimes you're in transition and you're saying, Lord, this hurts. This hurts real bad. But you've you got to move along. You can't just stop and, and let your feet get in the mud. You've got to keep going because God's calling you to the other side of this thing. He's calling you through the transition, not to it. 
Can you hear me? He's taking you through it. And he's giving you the opportunity to walk through this transition with not only his help, but the help of those, those dear loved ones around you that you've hooked yourself to. Another one is that we need to understand and admit that change can be stressful. Admit it. Don't try to deny it because you know what will happen? Denial raises anxiety. I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you've ever been in change and you're, you're trying to walk through that change, you're trying to get this transition over, all right? If you start denying that it's stressful, you say, oh, I got this, I got that, you know, I, I'm okay, baloney. Sometimes that's not true. Sometimes we have to admit this is tough because if you start denying it, anxiety will go through the roof. All right? Take small bites. If you're in transition, don't try to eat the whole cake at one time. Don't try to do it all at once. It won't work. Be realistic, but don't fear the major changes. They may be huge. This transition may be bigger than anything you've ever faced before, but be realistic as you face it and take little bites. Take it a little bit at a time, all right? One thing that's so important for you individually, for me too, individually, and for the church, remember the words that have been given to us in words of prophecy instruction, and blessing. Remember those words. Paul said it to Timothy. Remember? Remember when, you, when hands were laid on you and prophecies were given to you? Remember that. Remember that and live by that. What good advice. As you recall, who, who said something to me? that was a, a, a word of encouragement? Who said something to me that was instructive when I needed it? What did, what did God say to me at that moment that so blessed my heart? Don't forget that. See, we're so busy remembering the ugly, the bad, you know, the hurts, the slime from our past when we need to, when we need to remember God's word, God's blessing. And we can move through the transition so much more easily. As much as possible, individually and, and as, a, as a church, I believe, as much as possible, set routines for yourself and for the church. Routines, something that you can expect regularly. You don't want a lot of surprises when you're in the middle of transition. Surprises make it a whole lot harder. So set those routines so you know what's going to happen next. And keep pressing, as Paul said, forward. Press forward. It'll work. And it's okay to ask for help. And in my whole career, this is one thing that I found so often 
was people finally, finally coming and saying, I need help. What a big step for us individually. We just get bogged down and we get in pain and we get in anxiety and we look at the mountain instead of the valley and we say, God, I need help. And he said, I got it for you. I got it for you. Prayer is so, so vital. Do not, in your transitions, do not forget prayer. And we heard this from Pastor Kim a couple of weeks ago, just a beautiful message that prayer, worship, that will move us through transition as, as well as anything we can do. Look for and listen for information. Now, this doesn't mean hold your ear to, the, to somebody's closed door. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about listen to what people are saying. Listen to information, both good and puzzling. It's okay. Listen and watch rather than blabbing. Sometimes we're guilty of talking when listening would be a whole lot better strategy. Okay? Because we can listen for real, real good things. But sometimes when we open our mouths, we don't say the real good, good things. So just a word to the wise. Listen at least twice as much as you talk. It works. Another one for you is to recognize your vulnerabilities. Recognize where your weak spots are. And you know, if a, if a sheep is in a, a flock and he gets out by himself and he's kind of wandering around in the, in the knee-high grass, What's going to happen to that sheep? Wolf's going to get him. Yeah. And that's what happens sometimes in our fellowship. You know, for whatever reason, you begin to wander into the, into the knee-high grass, you know, and along comes the wolf. You can count on it because he's looking and he can say, there, there he is, there she is, vulnerable. Get her, get him. That's a ploy of Satan to, to separate you from the flock when the flock is what you need under the good shepherd because he will keep you safe. He will pound the wolf to death if we will stay united and stay in faith and stay in the flock. That's vulnerability. If you have a if you have a certain belief and you're just standing on that belief and, uh, and you'd fight anybody over it, you know, that becomes a vulnerability because you're not open to listen to other opinions. And Satan sees that vulnerability even though what you're believing is really, really good. He sees you holding on to that so hard that you're not open 
to other opinions and other doctrines maybe even, you don't, you don't open the door. You cling and you cling and you choke on it. So don't do that. It becomes a vulnerability. All right. Get specific guidance. Paul was a master at this. And his first one, I think, was the best one. When he said, Lord, and he's on his back on the road to Damascus. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That was his, that was his question. What do you want me to do? I've been there, and I'll bet that each one of you has been there. When you said, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what to do next. What do you want me to do? God can use that. I mean, he will just jump all over that because he wants to be there for you. That's why he sent Holy Spirit to us to guide, encourage, instruct, comfort, all of that. God, what do you want me to do? And he will look at us on that day and he will say, blessed are you. Blessed are you, my child. Welcome into the joy of the Lord. Because you've been faithful, because you went through those transitions, because you kept your principles, because you stayed in my will, you're welcome. Enter in to the joy of of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening tonight.